Welcome to Coach's Corner with your host, Ryan Watson nope, and Jonathan Horton. I'm just letting you know I'm going to hate it. going to hate it? Yeah. All right, here we go now. Get behind that line. We're going to do it right. Do it right. Do it light. Let's go. Welcome back to the original Coach's Corner with both of your hosts back this week, Ryan Watson and Jonathan Bourne. We are brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. You can check out all of our amazing content, podcast articles, everything you could imagine you would ever want to know about Nashville sports at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Like I said, we're both back and under the same roof, well, so to speak, at least under the same podcast. Uh, I have Justin Mello who joined me a couple weeks ago because, like you said last week, sometimes just life gets in the way. I was a bit under the weather last week as well, so Jonathan, thank you for stepping up to the plate. Thank you for taking the show on solo. It was a great listen. Hopefully everybody out there was able to catch that. If not, go back and listen to it because you were dropping some some dimes and some nuggets all over some people, uh, knowledge nuggets, that is. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, I've been actually meaning to talk to you. I enjoyed it so much and actually hearing myself. Um, I really think that we can cut some overhead out here, and I'm just going to run solo with it. Namely me. Yeah, I I'm did. <laughs> I was going to set up some time to discuss it with you. Well, let's just do it live here. So let's, here's my performance review from the year. No, I'm I, hopefully you're just kidding, and I'm going to pretend like you're kidding, so we're going to move on with everything. But like I said, thank you so much for, for handling that solo last week um, for the show, for to keep things going, keep things moving. Still haven't quite figured out what our offseason is going to look like, but we've got some plenty of time to, to uh, talk about that after this long playoff push the Titans are about to go on. We can still talk about coaching decisions. And had some odd ones this week we'll get into in just a little bit. But – so, like I said, back to normal. But we did have a game this week. Possibly the Titans could have clinched playoff. There's a whole lot of – if you want to go find Mike Miracle's tweets out there, he's, he's got it all laid out nice and neat. He's even got it if, you know, certain teams tie what the, what the uh, outlook will look like for the playoffs. So, it's lots, lots of scenarios. Who to root for, we'll have that on the website as well. So, go out, the, go out there and check all that out as well. Essentially, just Titans can control their own destiny, right, by just winning and they're the AFC South champions so that's plain and simple and that's what i'd like to keep it as far as my content it's nice to know what all can help because getting in the playoffs is the minimum the bar it, yeah, we're gonna set the little bar low and that's the minimum so those are good to know but let's just win them all you know if you're a titans player win them all and not worry about anything else hey, yeah we, you, as we've seen from so many replies to some of the guys on twitter that uh, you don't want to look ahead got got to beat green bay first uh while while i appreciate appreciate the call out and that uh, our focus could possibly potentially influence the Titans. Uh, don't read, think it really matters. They read all of our stuff. You know that our, our influence is far and wide of this Titans organization. I'm kidding. No, but the, you bring a good point. We can sit here as analysts and look at the future and look at what possibly could happen and look at the all possibilities. Cause Honestly, what would you rather us write about, like, who's walking whose dog or, or uh, you know, who's getting whose mail or other TMZ stuff that's out there, rumors that can't be, and source reports from just one thing or just those kind of things? I mean, no, we're going to try to bring all kinds of content from all different angles. So, yeah, we're going to look at uh, – Mike's doing a great job doing that, and that's the only reason I wanted to bring that up. Because guess what? Some of these games could affect seeding as well. So you're not just rooting for the playoffs. You're rooting for what seed the Titans are going to be because it, wouldn't it be nice to see a home playoff game in Nashville? You know the most ironic thing about people that point out when you point when you put like what scenarios can get you into the playoffs or clinch a spot, it's that um, yes, they, we are correct that we can focus on that. You know who else focuses on that and points it out? The Titans. You want to know how I know because they set players against the Saints last year in this exact same scenario where they didn't a game didn't matter, which you could only know if a game didn't matter if you were looking at the different scenarios on how you clinch and get into the playoffs. So the Titans do the same damn thing. 
Right. I mean, because you, you, you don't want to run someone out there and get them injured if the game truly doesn't matter. If you're not going to improve your seating whatsoever, then what's the point? Yeah, and I, t- I brought up last week whenever I was uh, on the, the solo show is talking about, you know, is in a get in a season where home games haven't aren't as influential because you don't have crowd noise to deal with. It, is it worth getting some rest for your players to go into the playoffs? I don't know. It, it may be a little too out there. I don't think we have to worry about that. I don't think that's going to happen regardless. But uh, yeah, and it, there's definitely value in knowing the scenarios and yeah. what you need to get into the playoffs. For sure, and that's actually when I was editing the show to still put it out. That's the part I told you. I, I told you in a text uh, that I was like, dude, I was sitting there listening to the show editing that I actually started to respond to you. It was. The at that point that I started to respond and say that, yeah, you've got a good point there and started to talk to you. And then you start talking again. And I was like, Oh wait, this is a recording. That's right. I'm not live with John right. right now. So. Yeah. Ryan was very lonely. I was listen, dude. I just want to talk to somebody with all I had going on last week. I'm just, I'm just glad I was able to at least edit the show and get it out on time. So it was, it was a, it was a rough week, man. So, but that's in the past, but also in the past is that Detroit lions game. So let's talk about that for a second. And namely the first thing I want to point out before we get into the, the Titans uh, performance on either side of the ball or talk about certain things or, or opinions, let's talk about the hot thing that, that, that happened and how as a coach, we would handle this situation. We all saw the great uh, effort the fourth down fake punt the tackle tackled short so everyone's going good job for the titans lions really needed to go for it there they were down multiple scores i think it was uh 32 to 18 at that point in time in the game so in my mind i went man way to get sneaky because i would not have expected it that part of the field and we've said many times on this on the show run the fake win it's least expected that was very least expected so good job for the good job for the titans stopping it turns out though after the game that Braden Coombs, yes, son of Kerry Coombs of the Detroit Lions, went rogue calling that fake punt and failed, and it got him fired. That's just what happened. Well, how would you handle that? Coach, put your coaching hat on. How would you have handled that situation? This the coaching point of the week? Yeah, this coaching, coaching point, point of the week. week. Insubordination. Insub- mutiny. Yeah, I, I think they handled it kind of the same way you had to. And, like, look, the Lions also are in a – you're not having it's an easy decision to make if you're the Lions right now you've already got uh an interim head coach you fired the head guy you can't deal you're just trying to get to the season at this point so that makes the decision real easy if if I'm a guy that's established this is just my team there may be a conversation about hey what happened here uh like was there a miscommunication and I actually thought to myself because it's so out there that a coach would go rogue and just do something like that it made me think did he have something in that like Patricia trusted him and had told him hey if you see a certain look or you see something you have liberty to call those things and that kind of communication line did not get transferred to Daryl Bevel when he took over as an interim coach so is Coombs operating under the same context that he did when Patricia was there I don't know that was me trying to contextualize how does something like that happen where a coach just says you know what I'm gonna do it or is the coach just you know he's so done with this season he's so mailed it in that he's just like you know what what are they gonna do fire me a a week and a half early I'm going for it so yeah I think in a bubble you can't allow that. You can't allow it at all because when coaches start to everything we talk about, complimentary football, complimentary, everything you do fits together as one concept. If one is going rogue and doesn't fit into that, even if it's for the betterment of the team, I don't think he, he wasn't doing that to hurt the lions. He thought it no, could he's help. No, he's taking a chance. Exactly. 
exactly. And so it's one of those that, yeah, you kind of tie the hands of the head coach and leadership in the organization at that point. Right. But yeah, you got to know, know your lane there at this point. Cause frankly, everybody's looking for a chance to get fired on that team right now. And uh, they, he gave it to them. Yeah, exactly. I, I, when we talked about this a little bit beforehand, I was like, well, that's, that's an automatic firing or it's very, at least explain to me the situation. And this, but it'll be, this is going to have to be a special oopsie. If, if this doesn't get you fired, I mean, because if he truly just said, nah, F it, I'm, I'm calling this play regardless. And he, you mentioned uh, the the line of communication not being passed down after Patricia's firing. Uh, yeah, that is very possible. But I would think that special teams being in such an important facet to the game that they would have those conversations. But then again, it is the Lions, and who knows if, they're, if they've got a complete show going on there. So that's a very good point you made. And the last thing I want to uh, talk about it is the closest thing that this came to me personally um, when I was coaching is we were all on the headset during a game, and it was a game where our offense uh, really wasn't doing great, but we were doing better than our defense. And one of the assistant offensive coaches on a hot mic went in on the defensive coaching staff. Well, the head coach, we had a, a headset system where the head coach could flip back offense, defense. This coach thought the head coach had flipped over. Luckily, I told this coach, hey, man, shut up. And then right as soon as I said, shut up, here comes the head coach yelling at this guy and say, you're lucky you're getting a trip home with us on the bus because you're fired. And fired him right there on the spot on the headset. And I went, you know, that meme. <laughs> I was like the awkward seal, like, oh, my God. <laughs> Your homer trying to back into the bushes. Yeah, I was I like, out of this. Thank God I said something, you know, in support of like, hey, don't talk like that or something like that. Hey, man, shut up. Don't don't talk like that. And then the head coach right after me. And I was like, oh, well, I just saved my job. Thank God. So <laughs> for at least six months, I think I got fired there that season. Anyway, but that's the closest I came to it personally was seeing that. So, yeah, that's that's an awkward conversation to have. I was like, what are you doing, man? Like, what's the going? Like, what are your, your rationale? You know? Yeah, this is, this is complete. This is in no way, shape, or form related to insubordination from a coaching staff. But at the same time, it just did remind me about awkward moments on a headset. Um, I remember when a uh, kicker shanked a punt and just instinctively shouted out the G-rated freaking punters and just, just kind of shouted out. It wasn't until like three seconds later that I... I remembered that said punter's father was uh, the video was a part of the head of the video crew and was sitting right next to me on top of the coach's box. So that was a really fun interaction that I never brought up or discussed at all. But yeah, I got to be careful great. on those hot mics. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and since it's just a freewheeling show, I've got my own personal one where I did it myself, where I, uh, uh, we were, went to. I was coaching at a uh, private Christian college and uh, the ref called a holding penalty that called a 48 yard touchdown on a toss play to our running back i from the box let the uh, umpire know that i thought his mother was a certain uh, what you would call a certain uh, dog in, in heat i think is what they call it and uh, i look over at our main radio broadcast that is literally two feet away from me and diamond dave is looking at me going and that's coach ryan watson and i was like oh crap <laughs> apparently he get you apparently he didn't agree with the call either i was like oh no that's not good so i got a little talking to after the game for that one as well but i was heated that would that would have been uh that young man's fourth touchdown of 40 yards or more in that game and i just i was i'd had it they, this was like the third time they'd called something bs so i was just anyway but that that's just a nice little trip down memory lane for both of us because yeah you got to be careful about those hot mics especially your podcast everything you never know what's going to get picked up and put out there good grief so yeah that that was something very really uh um, kind of out there that came out of that game. Like I hadn't heard that until you told me about it. That's just that's crazy. But within the game, what wasn't so crazy is this offensive output by the Titans. And I don't have a whole lot to say 
about the coaching side of it because Art Smith, man, right now, he's calling balanced games. He's picking his spots. I said, I've said it a couple weeks now, and if you read my breakdowns, yes, I'm going to plug it every week that I can. Uh, y'all need to be reading it. Uh, he does a great job of not only mixing up formations, taking advantage of numbers, but also running multiple plays out of those formations because what there's no point in setting up a specific look and only running the same thing out of it. You have to have you have to have versatility out of these formations. And Art Smith is really doing a great job across the board. You call it, you've called it on the show, self scouting. They're doing an excellent job of that with the way that they're running. And there was a pass this last week or the week before where AJ Brown, all the receivers went to go flash blocking to add an extra level to play action and then broke across. So they're doing these little things. They're just so successful. So I really don't have much complaints about the offense. I mean, they're, they're, they're tied for the league in points per game. I think at 31.1 with the chiefs, I think it is one point more total over the chiefs. I think it is. I don't know. I don't have the totals in front of me. I can get them in just a second, but I mean, just the, just the scoring output for this team, uh, 436 to 435 over the chiefs. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, this is, is this a historically good offense? I mean, I don't know about historically, but it, well, it's historically for Titans, good for, for the Titans. Titans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, as from the offense, it's hard to be critical of anything that they're doing. Um, they're they're firing at all cylinders, and they're getting hot at the right time. That's the big thing. Um, you, you don't want to have a letdown game, and so you, you hope that they can keep it going. And the only thing I touch on being really nitpicky is they did have the one player they give up the safety, and you look at uh, you do have Quasenberry out there. He is a third string left tackle, and I know you can talk about it, yeah. but it, it was really interesting from a schematic standpoint. I think I don't know if it was a, uh, an issue with the call or if it was an issue with Tannehill showing a little bit of a lack of awareness of it. Like, look, both tackles go to cut their outside guy. Kelly, and it Kelly is an athletic didn't. play. Kelly didn't Say actually. What? I went back to watch it because I wanted to see that. Kelly didn't go to cut. He was upright, which makes me think okay. Questenberry missed something. But go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead. You're, you're the offensive line. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. What I was going to say is that I went, I went back to look at it because I had two questions. Was this a short game pass? Was it a screen? What was going on with it? Because Questenberry, not only did he miss, but he he didn't step up. What you want to do when you're cut, you want to step at the toes of the defender you're cutting and then go down to the ground and then roll into them so that if you miss your cut, you still roll. If they jump over you, they're still stepping on you and they lose their balance. Questenberry really did. He gave kind of a half-hearted roll. And he, he didn't really go. But, like, when I went to go back to watch it, Kelly was standing straight up, blocking on the other side. Questenberry was the only one uh, to cut. From my memory, and, of course, if you're checking it now, please let me know if I'm incorrect because I, I, I'd hate it if I was mixing up plays. But um, on the play itself, you had Derrick Henry out in the flat. It looked screenish, or it looked like he was just doing his check out there. A.J. Brown was running an out and up, and it looked pretty deliberate. And if you go back and watch Tannehill, Tannehill's mannerisms, he kind of half pumps while he's in the pocket while he's staring downfield. I bet you they were trying to run a shot play from the end zone. Yeah, and I get the shot play, and that, that's, again, is it a mistake on the left tackle or is it a mistake uh, on Tannehill? I, I expect the shot play um the cutting from the left tackle though because if you're cutting that ball's got to get mm-hmm. out i mean that's short game. That's it's basic, a short that's game, basic yeah. quarterbacking whereas you know that hey you're getting the guy down so you can get it out quick as possible and if it's not there you find a way to get rid of that ball in a hurry because they're coming exactly and like you said there it, it's it's it you usually get the cuts in with the quick game stuff a three day and I, and I touched on this on the live show as well after the game is you is you are at halftime maybe i can't remember when it happened um but um, you you want a quick drop out of your quarterback, and you want that ball out in under three seconds, and that's why you throw those cuts there. Now, that wasn't the case here because even after the cut, Tannehill still sat there and was staring downfield. And it's almost like he didn't see what was happening right in front of him because he was looking right at it. And I would have preferred maybe if he just threw it right over Derrick Henry's head out of bounds, you know. But 
the awareness was not there. It's big. So I honestly want to want to chalk this up to a big miscommunication. I think Westenberry heard the wrong play. And I think that Tannehill did himself no favors in being in the moment and seeing what was happening right in front of him. Because he was, if you, if, if from what I could tell from film, I'm not in Tannehill's head and I'm not in that huddle. So I have no clue what was called. But he was staring downfield even after Questenberry had been cleared. It's almost like he didn't see he was getting sacked until he was getting hit. Yeah, I mean, and frankly, going back and looking at the film right now, it definitely looks like a Questenberry error because there, there's no really quick outlets here. It is no. definitely a shot play. So You'd expect to uh, slant it behind Henry or something if that if they're running quick game or something that's yep. going into the middle over Henry so that he can read that flat defender. If he goes with Henry, then he hits Brown real quick on the, on the slant. Or if the, the flat defender bites on Brown, then Henry's wide open in the flat. Neither one of those things were happening. So either so there's possibility that Brown had the wrong route. I doubt it. Because then he, now, Tannehill it, it, would have been in panic mode. It was, it was definitely a mess up by Questenberry. But that's the thing that we get back to. I mean, it's a number three left tackle for a reason. But it's a guy that has outperformed that label, that label of being a number three left tackle for most of the year. And so those kinds of things are going to happen. Um, you know, if you want to be nitpicky of Art Smith, a guy that is leading the number one offense in the NFL, you could say, hey, yes, he has outperformed that label, but he is still a number three left tackle in the NFL. So shot plays from the end zone are still a little bit risky. But ultimately, it wasn't like Questenberry got beat. It looks like he missed a call somewhere right. in there because it looks like Tannehill's reading that free safety uh, to get a shot play to the left or right with it with their two uh, fade routes that they're running. Right. So, uh, but let's talk about that defense. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's drop all this. We we spent a little too much time, but you brought up the sack. So the defense. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to throw it back to you because I talked a whole lot about the offense there. What? Let, let's talk about the strengths of the defense from from the, this game, if any, and then the weaknesses. So start off with some strengths. What did you see that you liked? from this defense on Sunday. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, the big news is that Adoree Jackson is back, and they, they used him in a curious way because they, they didn't necessarily put him specifically outside. They seemed to play him inside a little bit, which took Des King off the field a little bit. Um, but overall, I actually thought the coverage was pretty good. Um, and I know they gave up some points, but on almost all of their big plays down the field, it was a situation where the quarterback had seven seconds in the pocket. And it, it ultimately, if you have four Hall of Famers in your secondary and you got a guy that can sit back there, especially a talented guy like Stafford who has a cannon, he's a, one of the most physically gifted from just a throwing perspective that has ever played the game, it, he's going to find guys. And it's not like they were running wide open even when he did. So it it always comes back to that pass rush and just the absolute lack of any sort of pass rush. And so they have got to figure out a way to manufacture something. And again, I talked about on the halftime show, you plug your piece. I will also plug right now that we generally speaking, we are live at halftime of every single uh, Titans game. So make sure you check us out. That said, you have got to figure something out because they're going to get eaten alive if they by Aaron Rodgers this weekend. They're going to get eaten alive by Patrick Mahomes or somebody else in the playoffs if they can't find something. And I've been preaching for it, and I will continue to call for it. Blitz the quarterback and take your lumps on the back end because I think the talent is there from a secondary perspective to actually hold up. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And I think you and I have been kind of beating the table for that for about, what, six, seven weeks now of just like, 
why not? What, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, it's just one of those situations where, case in point, versus Detroit, there was a play where Kalu had come in. It was after um, Hooker had gone over the top and had banged his head, and the NFL called down to get him out of the pull, out of the call. Kalu came in that very next play. Kalu was burnt down the seam for an easy touchdown to Detroit, but Stafford didn't hit him. Stafford panicked. Stafford threw. Why? Because there was pressure on him. And he couldn't, he couldn't make that final read to make that play. If there's no pressure, Stafford pats in the pocket. He hits that touchdown. That game's a lot closer at that point in time. So, to your point, they've got to find ways to manufacture because the, the, the what do you want to call it, natural pass rush just isn't working and hasn't all season. I mean, you're hoping that at this point, I think your best case has been Simmons at some point, if he can just bully the guy in front of him. But even then, I mean, if that's what you're counting on your pass rush I mean, naturally – yeah, and Simmons has looked tired, frankly. Yeah, yeah. Like that he's not the same player that he ha- he was early in the season. Yeah, I wonder if he I mean, everybody's banged up at this point in time. You know, it's it's a lot of things going on. Simmons is still a great player. And I mean, his eighty percent is probably still better than seventy percent of the defensive linemen out there. He's just he's just that good. But yes, it has been noticeable these last couple of weeks because even on the double teams where he was cons- consistently splitting them, he's not so much anymore. So it's just there's some stuff going on. But here's the thing. He and Daquan Jones have been like the guys on that defensive front, and I'm including the linebackers in that. So, like, for the whole season. So, if they're making plays and they're asked to do so much, the toll's got to be wearing on them a little bit. Yeah, so, I mean, on the defense, I'd rather them try and steal some possessions, get get aggressive, go after the quarterback, and look, they may beat you over the top a couple of times, but if it mean, means you give your guys a chance to pick off a couple of balls or get those negative plays uh, in a sack, God forbid, um, then I think you do that. It's a risk versus reward, because right now we've talked about it. If you're if you're a bend that don't, but don't break defense that breaks every single time, you're in for a bad time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and and it did work. It did work out in some occasions. They did stop and enforce some punts, like we said, the fake punt attempt, and then they did force some things in the red zone. And they have all season when they get their backs. But you don't want to do that against the good ones like Kansas City. I mean, that's the and that's the that's the benchmark, right? Those are the or teams Green Bay or Green Bay for that matter. This is going to be a good. Let's be honest. Before getting the Green Bay game here in a second, that's that's going to be a good benchmark. I mean, Zach Lyons from F Words Pod has been kind of screaming that all week, and I, th- I think I agree with him a little bit. I think they're. I don't think they're the same team, but close enough uh, with the way Aaron Rodgers is playing right now, especially. But, yeah, this defense definitely has to find a way that they can kind of manufacture because your hope at that point, if they keep bend but don't breaking and breaking most of the drives, is what you're saying is is our offense is going to have to keep up with any other offense out there. And while the offense is prolific and they do have some dynamic pieces, it's not this high-octane offense. It's just not. I mean, any anyone that's just – Mainly run, and then play action, and hitting your spots in the zone afterwards. That's the number one. T- they, yeah, yeah, I, I get it, I get it. But but just as far as like they don't call all these downfield shots all the time. There's not this constant pressure of like it's going to be a TD every play unless they're handing it off to Henry. So I know what I'm saying kind of goes against to where they're ranked. And they're very very high octane offense as far as output throughout the game. But on a single play, it's they're within a box, right? That's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, I think what you're saying, and the best way to encompass it is they're a great offense, but if you have to pick an offense, so you're taking the Chiefs, you're taking the Titans. Right, and I mean, honestly, it's probably a 1A, 1B situation right now with what, with what I'm looking at in the NFL, but I'm definitely taking the Chiefs because of how threatening they can be and how every single play there's pressure on every part of the defense because you just don't know where it's going to go, how that's going to be bad to say how far down the field it's going to go. So, yeah, that's that's all I mean. And I'm not nitpicking or saying that it's a bad offense for the Titans because, no, I'm not. This is historically probably 
the best offense the Titans have ever had, at least while they've been the Titans. I mean, it's 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 pretty daggum good. And and, and the people that want to complain about Art Smith, I kind of want to smack each and every one of them. Like, come on now. Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at what the the Chiefs did last year. Their defense wasn't it wasn't spectacular. You had Chris Jones in there, and you, you they were able to manufacture a couple of turnovers and just get a couple of stops. But then that offense is what they are. So I think in this situation, that's what you got to be. You're not asking them to be spectacular. You're asking them to be eh. Yeah. If you get to eh from yeah. the defense, yeah. you can win the Super Bowl. Let's you get can to win eh. the Super Bowl this year as a Tennessee Titans football team if your defense is eh. Yeah, and that's and, and that's not a bad place to be, but you still have to get to eh. So that's where they were with the Lions and overall. And, and I think the same – with everything we just said can kind of go there for the Packers game, but there is a, some familiarity in the Packers in LaFleur. He is there, and I've seen a lot of back and forth about, well, LaFleur is the one that really got them going, and he knows this, this team. And first of all, I don't think LaFleur knows this team. He doesn't know Mike Vrabel's. He doesn't know how what Mike Vrabel has turned into this team into. He, I think, he was one foot out the door the entire time he was here. That's just my personal opinion. That may not be f- fair, but he was already looking for his head coaching gig, and he was going to be a stepping stone. Where Art Smith has kind of built himself up in this system, and even if he gets a head coaching gig this next year, he wasn't looking for it this year. He's putting his heart and soul. I never got the impression from Lafleur that he was putting his heart and soul into his his job here. He just wanted to. do be good enough because he was already getting mentioned for head coach. So he didn't have to do a whole lot. He just didn't have to screw it up basically. So whatever, that's just opinion piece. That's not factual. I apologize, but he is there. He does know some of the players. He does know some of the in and outs, but I don't think he knows the Henry that is Henry now is my point. But here's, here's the thing. The idea that he knows it, he could be, he's probably an expert. He's running essentially the same offense. Congratulations. But just like when you say, Oh, we know what the Packers are going to do. Cool. Stop Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's the thing. You still have to go out and execute. I can tell you exactly what the Titans are going to do. They're going to run Henry. They're going to run play action with two receiver routes. In a lot of cases, you're going to run a deep. You're going to run a dig with Corey Davis, or and a post route with, or I'm sorry, a dig with AJ Brown and a post route from Corey Davis, or vice versa, flip flop it. And you're going to read those linebackers and safeties. That's all they're going to do. That is their entire offense. But guess what? It's a whole lot easy for easier for me to say that than for you to go out as a linebacker and not step up on play action to try and stop Derrick Henry because if right. you don't you're going to meet him five yards downfield and good luck with that good luck so that's fine he can know the offense but being able to execute on something that's that simple just because the Titans are built the way that they are it, it, it's something that barring injury I don't know how you truly stop them unless you can trust your front four to abuse the Titans offensive line which I think is still possible I think that can happen against certain teams I don't know if that's this week but it is a danger but it's something you have to be able to stop the run game and still allow that your linebackers to drop or be able to get pressure on Tannehill without blitzing because they put you in too much of a bind otherwise of putting these physical freaks out there with the ball in their hand in the open field. Right, and and this doesn't even mention how good Tannehill has been on this offense, how sharp he's been. And that's the difference is that, like, people are saying, there was a couple weeks ago someone said he's got terrible pocket presence. Like, you haven't watched a single Titans game this year. If you think Tannehill, who has only been sacked, I think, 20 times with a third-string left tackle, left tackle playing and banged up Saffold's missed time. Ben Jones has missed time or been injured quite a bit. Nate Davis has just been spectacular this year. I, I don't want to hear anything else above it. He's been, he's been great. He's been like one or two plays every once in a while isn't up to par, but he's been fantastic. Dennis Kelly's been great. So, I mean, it's, it's, but he's still, he's still standing in the pocket and I think that he is moving well and he's been running here recently. So I don't understand what these people are watching. 
Go ahead. Yeah, and just random tangent, then we can get right back to the Packers game. But can you imagine having the NFL's leading rusher who has a possibility of getting to 2,000 yards and not a single Pro Bowl offensive lineman? Yeah, I am. I'm. I'm sick for the big boys up front because I don't understand how in this day and age when 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 you have the offenses that you have and you know the Titans like to do one thing specific, not one thing specifically, but you know what they're going to try to attack you with and they're still getting it done and not one offensive lineman. Ben Jones is having the best year of his career, in my opinion. I, I just don't understand how Ben Jones didn't get votes, how Nate Davis didn't get votes. I get it. Dennis Kelly's still thought of as a scrub, even though he's doing well, but how Saffold especially is not getting he's – got, he's got name brand – He's got notoriety, and he's he's a beast. I don't understand. Whatever. You, you're right. You're going to set me off on a big rant. I'm, I'm cutting myself off because I, I, I – can you see my face? It's my, my face is getting red. I'm getting hot. I don't, I don't like it. It's, I feel bad for him. You know, whatever. Anyway, on to the freaking Packers. So, like we said earlier, that, you know, you win, you keep winning, you kind of control your own destiny here if you're a Titans player and involved in the Titans organization. But as far as the Packers go, they, they do – kind of lack on defense what the Titans like to do. They do give up a little bit in the run game, especially here recently. They've been a little worse against it. So you're looking again for the Titans to have another big day on the ground. And if they can get that going, get that balance early, then you're looking at one of the receivers having a big day to bet. Because here's the thing. It's not going to be Corey Davis and A.J. Brown at the same time. It's going to be one or the other. That's how it's been all season. And I, I think someone said the other day, wouldn't it be nice if they both got going? Sure, that'd be great. But I'll take one of them having a big day if it means what we've been seeing in the output in the offense. And Jonu Smith's looking like he's coming back to life too a little bit in the passing game, which is a positive. Well, that's the formula with, with having with the three of them. I know Jonu Smith plays tight end, but he's the same sort of uh, physical freak. They're they're not it, none of them are speedsters. Jonu, you could say, is a speedster for the tight end yeah, position. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But yeah, but at the same time, it's the size combination. It's the size speed combination that cool. You can give it to Corey when Corey Davis is your small guy. You're doing pretty good there. So you get these one-on-one matchups down the field because they're committing to stop the run, and then it's, hey, good luck tackling either one of them. And that's the thing. If you take one away, they don't lose much by having to pass to Corey Davis or having to pass to Jonu Smith. Or if you don't shade it to A.J. Brown and he decides that he's going to catch the ball consistently that day, good luck. That's the thing. It's not a situation where you lose something on if you're the Titans by having one of them taken away. You can still do exactly what you want to do and have the same mismatches down the field that you would in any other game. Right. And if they're attacking those mismatches and they're taking advantage of what is given to them, I I don't know how this Packers defense can stop. Now, the question is, is can, you know, it's that whole, that whole, what we said about Alabama, Florida, and the championship is which defense can stop the other offense uh, the most times is the team that's obviously going to win. And and I know that's real, real, basic football, but that's what this is going, going to boil down to is can can the Titans defense create a turnover at, at an opportune moment or get enough stops or at least more stops than the, the Packers defense does because otherwise it's going to be last team with the ball. And, you know, I feel pretty good for if I was a fan of either team, if you told me you have a chance to win with your quarterback playing the way they are right now and your offense playing the way they are, if you've got a chance to win the game with your last possession, I'd bet heavily on whatever team that was that had the ball. I'd feel pretty good about it. So – that may be the situation this game ends up in. I mean, it's happened before. I think, I think this is an early game kind of game. I think if the Titans weather the storm and they can commit to the run game, they'll wear that Packers defense out. If the Titans are close in the second half, I think that you, you can keep Henry involved. They're going to wear him down. Now, I also think it's a possibility that Aaron Rodgers comes out here and just blitzkriegs them. Yep. 
from from the get go. And if that's the hap- that's what happens, it's going to get you out of your game. Now I say that that's happened twice this year: Cleveland and Pittsburgh. They got close to coming back on both of them, and so yeah. the Titans are never out of it. That said, it'd be nice to when when that game doesn't happen outside of Cincinnati. That was that's that's the. That's the true Cincinnati and Indianapolis was just, hey, you were not the better team that day. Right. In uh, Cleveland and Pittsburgh, you got blitzkrieged. You had absolutely blitzkrieged. And so if you can avoid that, I think you give yourself a chance. Um, I don't I think they are peaking at the right time. They just it's going to come out of that pass rush. Can you manufacture one turnover, one turnover? Can you manufacture just a couple of sacks, a couple of negative plays? If you can do that, I think you can win this game. And frankly, I think you can beat any team. That's the thing. That's what this game sets up as. If you beat the Packers, everybody starts to believe, because that's the best team in the NFC. Yeah, You could say the Saints, but here's the, you're going to be thinking, you're going to be thinking, okay, now now we believe this team can win the Super Bowl. Right, exactly. So it's, it's a big benchmark-type game, like we said. 26 degrees at, at kickoff, I think is what they're predicting. Uh, it'll feel like uh, 16 degrees. So not otherworldly cold, to be honest with you. I've played in that kind of weather before. Uh, when you get in the negatives, that's the otherworldly cold that you just don't want to be out there. I'm not saying that's not cold, but NFL players seem to find a way to be okay in that kind of weather. So it is going to be at night, so it'll be a little bit colder. I like Derrick Henry in cold games. I like run games in cold games, to be honest with you. So we'll see what happens there. I also interested something to keep in mind uh keep an eye on is how the titans continue to use darrington evans going forward because he looked good in a little bit of cleanup time i forgot to mention that uh versus the lions so we'll see if that was just true cleanup time or if he's actually going to be a part of the offense in, in spurts because tell you what he made it he made the screen game go a little bit and that's something that's been sorely needed in this offense uh this season so we'll see what happens there um but as far as predictions in this game do you feel comfortable giving one or are you know is it just one of those where see what happens because this could be we talked about the whole steal a possession thing, get a possession, score at halftime, get the ball back, then score again and kind of steal one. Maybe that factors a lot into this game, the way it's going to go. But what do, what do you kind of see from your final here? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a score prediction. I picked the Packers. I think I think it's just a tough tough road for them to go on um, into Green Bay. Green Bay still having to play for everything, too. We're talking about how impactful this game, a, a win here could be. Uh, but it's, it's impactful for Green Bay as well. Mm-hmm. Um, some things ca- could sort out sort themselves out um, going in since it did get flexed to that Sunday night game. Uh, So you could have an idea of what's going to happen, you know, before the kickoff, but I don't know. I picked green Bay. That's a tough, it wouldn't surprise me. You you talk about stealing a possession. It it seems like if the Titans have the opportunity, they're taking the ball and trying to score early on, on that first drive, which I'll, I'll give art Smith credit for the most part. His opening drive scripts have been pretty much unstoppable. So I think whenever you, Whenever you get that opportunity, if you can put the pressure on Aaron Rodgers and put the and I don't mean just from literally putting pressure on him because that's obviously too much to ask, but put the pressure on him where he's having to chase the score a little bit. Um, I don't think he's going to be bothered by it, but that's where you'd rather have him. Oh, for sure. And you said something about scoring. I think I think it's something ridiculous, like the Titans are eight and one or something like that when they score a touchdown six, first. Six zero oh, and one. I six, guess now oh, seven zero oh, and one. Seven zero oh, and one. Yeah, something something really where they score a touchdown, it's going to lead to some good things. So uh, it's just, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of with you. I think it's my heart says my heart says Titans are going to win this, but my my football head says uh, Green Bay is going to win this just because it's on the road. It's a little much. There's it's just one of those things. Maybe I'm expecting they do play up in situations just like they could play down. So who knows what's going to happen? But I'm I'm picking the Packers as well. Uh, since we're both picking them, you know that means the Titans are going to blow them out or something like that. And hopefully, my hope is this team isn't um, just satisfied with ten wins. 
because yay, you got past the nine win threshold. Congratulations. It can be possible. Let's try to add on to that now and see if we can get more. You know, I hope that's their mindset going forward. But um, we'll see what happens. Obviously, we'll know more about the Colts game and where kind of everyone stands there as far as the South and uh, playoff implications being being one of the later games in the in the week on that Sunday night. So we'll see what happens there. But. Thank you all for joining us this week. We are back together, uh, put together the show for you. And this has been the Coach's Corner, the original Coach's Corner, back again, part of Broadway Sports Network, partnered again with 440 Sports. Remember to be sure and check out all of our podcast articles and breakdowns that you do not want to miss at that we offer at broadwaysportsmedia.com and on Twitter at BroadwayTN and the show at Coaches on Broad. Follow Jonathan at JB on Broad, myself at Ryan on Broadway. Until next time. We out. See you.